Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. This week, I thought we'd talk about work culture, and specifically toxic work culture. How did I come upon this topic? It was a series of discussions by very different people across the last couple of weeks. And everyone was trying to find the right terms to characterize their work environments. And obviously some people lent towards a positive characterization and others maybe lent towards a more negative characterization. So I looked it all up and so, okay, how do people see their workplace in general in surveys and studies and data? And a lot of people, this is not new uh, news by any means, a lot of people are quite dissatisfied with their workplace. But what I think struck me as very interesting and what I did a bit of digging on was the term toxic workplace, something so unpleasant, so, shall we say, negative and harmful that it sucks the energy, enthusiasm, and motivation right out of everybody who might be a part of it. So maybe we can talk about what is a toxic workplace, work culture? How do you know you're in one? Maybe what you should do about that, stay, not stay, try to fix it. Is that even possible? Let's see what how many of these topics we can touch upon. But first things first, what is a toxic workplace? So a few ways people characterize this, and you can do the same searching I did online, read a few articles. Among the, the few top things that are in common, number one is as a result of perhaps poor communication, unpopular policies, restrictive styles of management, lack of freedom, lack of flexibility, the individual workers, the talent, the people at your company start to feel stifled, start to feel unappreciated. But more importantly, they also feel that there isn't a future for them. And that might be if you listening here are someone in a place of influence in your company, you might want to ask yourself, what are we doing to materially make people feel that their work is valued, that it is substantive, it makes a difference, and most importantly, that it charts a path for them uh, towards greater responsibility and success, and certainly stability of some kind. The at-will nature of most people's jobs makes that hard. And you know, you might only get the two weeks to figure things out. This might be a thought on side of side of the sort of the side of it. The same way that the the COVID pandemic forced airlines to drop things like change fees and a few other nickel and dime approaches they had to flying. Perhaps workplaces could look into, in addition to 
the ongoing debate of, of hybrid workplaces, there might also be uh, some room here to think about what else is it that makes a work environment conducive, rewarding, and flexible. All right, let's try and let's try and you know focus in on the topic uh, before I get uh, uh, start to digress. Toxic work culture. Number one, do you feel unmotivated? Do you feel like you're dragging your feet to go to work? Do you feel like you have to second guess how you speak about your thoughts and opinions and suggestions at work and self-censor because you don't want to be shot down by coworkers and especially by your boss? Well, first of all, do you even think of them as a boss? That's a great tell. You might be in a slightly negative work environment. Do you think of your boss as a boss or do you look up to them as a leader? It's always a great way to think about it, right? Do you see people as group members, workmates, or teammates? Because team, there's, there's unity, there's common ground, there's a, a shared way of doing things, and there is collective joy in positive outcomes rather than fighting over credit and so forth. So let's think for a minute. Uh, imagine yourself in your workplace. You feel perhaps unmotivated, underappreciated. You work hard, you don't get the payoff. You are expected to work hard over and above what necessarily you're contracted for. That's definitely a, a negative workplace, to say the least. Perhaps even some uh, HR violations in that. Uh, that should go without saying, right? But coming back to maybe what's in our hands, the challenge with work these days is, especially in a rough economy, what can you do? Do you have options right now? Depending who you look at uh, for information, the economy... Uh, is not that powerful, right? Not growing, for sure. Perhaps contracting, depending, again, who you speak to. So what does one do? What one does is, first and foremost, make every attempt to make yourself valued. People need to know what things you are indispensable for. Many a time when you speak with people, they'll say, hey, my work speaks for itself. Unfortunately not. Number one, you did the work. Do people know you did the work? You did the work. Do people think, oh, it was the team that did the work? Or did they give you the individual credit or sufficient individual credit? You see the problem with all that, right? A little bit of selling is necessary to make sure people know what you're good at and what you delivered on, what your numbers were, what your impact was, right? Maybe sometimes it's more subjective than objective. Ideally, you want to mix. People like you, people are inspired by you, and you bring, shall we say, the bacon. So back to the idea of toxic workplaces. How do you survive them? That was an interesting article I was reading. Uh, well, number one, you want to make sure you are not in Jack Welch's bottom 10%. That's going to be laid off. 
I don't know how many workplaces still ascribe to that, but a certain generation of uh, American, you know, executives still still very much ascribes to that simple rule. When you're looking for layoffs, look at the bottom 10% of predict uh, in terms of productivity. And those people are, go- are the ones that are going to go first. There might be more to follow, but these t- bottom 10% go first. So goes without saying you should be in the top 10% or the top 20%, not the bottom 10%. And more importantly, like we were saying earlier, people should know that you are in the top 10 or 20%. I would say to shoot for 10% if you can. Uh, maybe in your own niche, obviously not necessarily 10% of the whole company, but in your niche, in your own specialty, in your own org, if you're the top 10%, that's a great start. Specifically, people should know who you are, right? And not just in terms of your name and where you fit on the org chart, but there should be some adjectives that go along with you, like dependable or uh you know, you are a trustworthy person. You are a meticulous person. There should be some descriptors that go along with thinking of your name that are positive, that show qualities and virtues and attributes that go along with your style of work, but also your style of being a great teammate that make people want to have you stick around and make it harder for people to think of reassigning you or, uh, you know, uh, engineering a layoff. And think of it this way. It's such a strange thing. We never talk about this, but it is really hard for a leader or a people manager to lay off a popular teammate. There's possibly a handful of people that are popular, but less than productive. But often it goes kind of a little bit hand in hand, right? If you're not at least doing some amount of positive work above what's expected, you're probably not going to be able to have the energy and the time and the mood to uh, confidently be collegial with everyone, right? No, no it, it, it just doesn't last because you get exposed over time for being an underachiever, underperformer. But so the point being, if you do well and you're productive and you're impactful, but no one knows about it or you're not well-liked and popular, it's easier to let you go because the the idea is you have functional value, functional qualities, not necessarily holistic qualities and holistic value. This might sound harsh, but it is a fact. So if you are effective and likable, it's really hard to let you go. And that makes you more indispensable. Nobody's completely indispensable. No one should be completely indispensable and indispensable, uh, but it makes you more indispensable than otherwise. If you want to add a third layer, something that's worked for me and for people I know over the years is having the ability to help and make impact in a variety of ways. People that are limited in their niche and in the breadth of work they can do, or the breadth of skills they have, they, again, they, they, they end up being uh, seen as replaceable. But people who cover a lot of ground, not too much ground, because then you don't become a specialist, kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. You don't want to be a jack-of-all-trades. You want to be a multi-specialist. Just the right balance between being master of one thing and a jack-of-all-trades. You want to find the sweet spot between those two things. 
if 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 you think about that, if you can find at least three things that you are highly impactful for in your org, three separate things but connected things, that is a great sweet spot. And if people know you and like you on top of that, you're gold.